it's really wonderful to be able to share God's Word with you this morning. Um, as I've already said, my name is Anthony, and as you can hear from my accent, I'm not from here, I'm from the South, South London. <laughs> but it's my joy to preach to you this morning about the importance and meaning of baptism, and I just realized uh, when we were preparing for the baptism service that I haven't for a while spoken about why we believe in baptism as, Christian and what, as Christians and what it signifies and what we believe in particular as a local church. And so I thought it would be a good opportunity to do that this morning and just to remind us all of why baptism is so important for Christian believers. And ultimately, baptism gets its meaning and its importance from the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, we believe as Christians that Jesus died in our place and for our sins and that he triumphs over death in resurrection, which guarantees new birth for us and guarantees eternal life for those that believe by faith. That's what Christians believe. And so when we're talking about baptism, we're not really or mainly talking about religious tradition. We're not talking about church tradition when we talk about baptism primarily. We're not talking about religious ritual either. We are really talking about the death and the resurrection of Jesus when we speak about baptism. And it really is a picture, a reflection of this amazing, magnificent uh, view of salvation, this work of salvation that he's brought for us and done and, and, um, for, for all of us that believe by faith. And so... We express that as Christians through the act of baptism. And that's ultimately the great reality that we are celebrating. Jesus, the Son of God, crucified for billions of people and raised from the dead to give them everlasting life in the new heavens and the new earth. This is what we believe as Christians. And so here are five key truths about baptism that we hold to in this church as elders that lead this local church. And the first is very simple. Baptism was ordained by Jesus. And we have been looking last week at Matthew chapter 28, which um, says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I started last week looking at this phrase of making disciples and that we are called to make disciples of other people. And that's the main verb. It's an action. We make disciples. <clears throat> and then it, the two participles that come afterwards qualify that. So how we do that? How do we make disciples? We baptize them. Secondly, we teach them all that Jesus commanded us to do. And so you see, thirdly, the time frame for that is defined also in that verse. Jesus says we are to do that until he comes back, until this age ends. And so we are called as believers to make disciples, baptizing people, teaching them about Jesus until Jesus comes back. All right, so he ordained it. So that's the first thing I want to say, um, and that's what we hold to. This authoritative order, this command, this ordinance that he gave us until he comes back at the end of the age. Secondly, baptism is an expression of union with Jesus in his death and his resurrection. This is the second thing we believe. And the clearest teaching of that is Romans 6 verse 3. Um, if you got this verse for me, uh, it says this, 
Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through glory to the Father, we too live a new life. So baptism is this picture of union with Christ Jesus in his death and his, in his resurrection. And if we look at the wider context of the book of Romans, it would be a mistake to say that we are saved by being baptized. Baptism does not save us. It's clear throughout Romans and Galatians and other books, many other books in the New Testament, that we are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by believing Jesus and believing in who he says he is and what he's done for us. Baptism is an expression of that belief, but baptism itself does not save us. We, we show this faith and symbolize this faith through the act of baptism. So in other words, faith unites us with Christ, and baptism is the symbol of that. Uh, a very easy example to an, an analogy, analogy to help us understand is a wedding ring. Yeah? I put this ring on 30 years ago, and uh, it symbolizes some covenantal promises that I made to my wife, to Helen. And I said I would love her, and I said I would be faithful to her, and I, I said that I would cherish her and help her become the person that God wants her to become. The, this is not, the ring is not the marriage. It symbolizes the marriage. What the marriage is, is the covenant promises that are made to her. Yes? And so this is the same thing uh, in terms of baptism. Baptism is not the thing that saves. It symbolizes the covenant promises that God makes with us as we live by faith. Does that make sense? And so it's not the act that saves us. And Paul says this again um, in, he says, with baptism you are united with Christ. And the point that we're I'm trying to bring across to you this morning is that we are united with him in his death and burial and resurrection. And we are buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised, we too would be raised to eternal life. So baptism is a dramatic picture, portrayal of what happens spiritually when you receive Jesus. Your old self, which is selfish and completely consumed with its own desires, dies as you, symbol, the symbol is, it dies as you go under the water. And the new man, the new life that has been birthed inside of you by Christ Jesus, as you believe by faith, that new life, the picture is as you come out of the water, it rises and begins to live. That's the picture. Yeah, the old is gone and the new is come. That's the second thing we hold to as, as uh, elders in this church, that baptism is an expression of this union that we have with Jesus in his death and his resurrection. And thirdly, we believe that baptism mm, happens by being totally immersed in water. All right, now this is important. Uh, totally, total immersion that you go underneath completely. And the clearest evidence for this, again, is Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 3, which describes this act of baptism, and it uses that language of we are buried in the water, and then we rise again. And the Greek word for baptism means to immerse, to fully dip in. 
Um, and most scholars agree that that's the way that the early church did practice baptism, by full immersion. And it's only much, much later in church history that sprinkling and uh, pouring emerge, as far as we can tell from the evidence. And there's other pointers that we have in the Scripture besides the meaning of the word and this imagery of death and burial. And I want to point you to two. In Acts chapter 8, if you know the story in Acts chapter 8, um, persecution happens in Jerusalem, and the disciples are scattered all over the place. Stephen is stoned. If you go and read the chapter, it's a very dramatic chapter. And towards the end of chapter 8, we read of an Ethiopian eunuch who is um, walking and riding with Philip, who's one of the uh, early church, in his chariot, and Philip is talking to him about faith and what it means to believe in Jesus, and he believes. He says, yes, I believe in the Christ. I believe this man is the Son of God. And then he says this in verse uh, 37, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip agreed and said, uh, so he, he said he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip baptized the eunuch. And so here the language is quite clear. They went down into the water. That only makes sense if he was going to immerse him, not sprinkle him, not put a little drop of water on his forehead. Uh, it's plain also in, in uh, John 3 verse 23, where it says this of John, John was also baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there. In other words, you don't need plenty of water if you're just going to use a jar and sprinkle somebody. You only need plenty, plenty of water if you're going to immerse somebody under the water in this picture of death and resurrection. And so there's very little dispute really how the early church practiced baptism. They did it by immersing the new believer in water to signify this death and the resurrection of Jesus. So that's the third thing that we hold to. We baptize people by immersion, fully underneath the water, and raise them up as a picture of new life. And then fourthly, all the regular people in the church, you can't believe I'm doing this in such a short time. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I'm already on point four, and I've only got five. Fourthly, we baptize in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not, just the immersion, it's not just the water and going under the water that signifies anything powerful in what we're doing. This is what we've reflected on, on uh, Matthew 28 already, uh, that we are instructed to baptize. So it's not just the immersing that is important. There's an appeal as we immerse the person. We appeal to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to be present in the act, in what we are doing, to make it true and real in what it says about the work of redemption in that person's life. So it's not just about putting someone underneath the water. It's about doing it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as we're doing that, we're appealing to God, the Father, God the Son, Jesus, that He would make it real in their hearts, the act, what they are doing and signifying by going underneath the water. Yeah, so that's what we do. We pray specifically in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And fifthly, and this is slightly longer this point, but baptism is an expression of faith. 
Baptism is an expression of faith, and therefore, it is only for those that believe by faith. Yes? So, our understanding of the New Testament is that the meaning of baptism includes the fact that it's an expression of faith for the one who is being baptized. Yes? So, an unbeliever cannot be baptized because they do not believe by faith. An infant cannot be baptized because they do not believe by faith. And how do I say that? Uh, on what basis do I say that? Well, Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 is the, the clincher for me in terms of what the Scripture says. It says this, In him, he has the picture of spiritual circumcision and baptism being put together by Paul. He says this, in him you were also circumcised with a circ circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, your, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him. And here's the key phrase, through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So you have the images of spiritual circumcision and baptism. You were circumcised, having been baptized. The old body of flesh was cut away as you, in conversion. That's the, the picture Paul is using. When we are saved, the old heart, the hard heart, the calloused heart is cut away. And the new soft heart that is open to Christ is born. Yes, that's the picture. And you, this is what we... Um, hold to as we baptize people. In other words, it's right to say that baptism replaces circumcision as the mark of being part of God's people. Baptism replaces circumcision as the mark of being in the part of the people of God. In the Old Testament, in the, under the Old Covenant, it was only the, me the men that were circumcised to signify that they were part of God's people the tribe of Israel. And in the New Testament, it is both men and women that are baptized to signify that they are now part of God's covenant people. Yes? So circ circ circumcision is replaced. And unfortunately, this, this has led some Christians to assume that since circumcision was given to the male children of people in the Old Covenant, therefore baptism should also be given to male and female children of people under the New Covenant. But it just does not make sense in terms of the Scripture or the covenant that we, um, the New Covenant that we are baptized into. Look carefully at Colossians 2 verse 12 again. It says, having been buried, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith. And there are the clinching words, through faith. That's the important issue. Paul is saying that when you come up out of the water, it signifies being raised with Christ. And that is happening through your faith, through your belief in what Jesus has done for you. And so this drama of death and resurrection with Jesus only ultimately gets its meaning from the faith that expresses it. In baptism, you are raised with him through faith. And so we become sons and daughters of God through faith and in no other, word, in, in, in no other way. 
And Paul says this again in other places where he connects baptism with becoming a son. And it says this, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And there again, the important word is for. It only makes sense if baptism is understood as an acting out of faith of the person who's being baptized. So in Christ, we are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, you have also put on Christ. And so for Paul, it was inconceivable that you could be a Christian and baptized into Christ's family without believing by faith. It was inconceivable. It just didn't go together. And for us as local elders, uh, uh, elders of this church, it is also inconceivable. You cannot be baptized unless you believe by faith. And so that's why we baptize adults by immersion, and that's the, the, that's the uh, view that we hold to. And so, in summary, if I can just summarize this in one paragraph and put it together, I would say this. There's a shift that happens in redemptive history from the old covenant to the new covenant, from circumcision to baptism, and there was a shift from a national and ethnic focus on Israel and only males being given the sign of membership of God's people into a spiritual focus on the church made up of people from every tribe and nation and tongue across the entire planet. Isn't that beautiful? We all believe by faith from every tribe, every tongue, every people. And it says then that the sign of this, both male and female, the sign of being baptized into the universal church of God is no longer circumcision. It is baptism by water. That is the sign. And wherever we go all over the world, I've had the great privilege of, of traveling a lot um, to many places in the world, to China, to Taiwan, to Singapore, to Asia, to Mongolia, all over the place. And wherever I go, the thing that is the most important thing for people is to get baptized because it is the sign that they are putting their faith in Jesus. And I've seen all over the world that families don't mind too much if you believe in Jesus. You know, you can believe in Jesus and Buddha and Hindu uh, gods, and it doesn't really matter. You know, you can believe in whatever you want, but don't get baptized because if you get baptized, that is the sign that you believe in Jesus alone. And I've seen that uh, in, in different places of the world where people get excommunicated from their families, not because they believe in Jesus, but because they believe in Jesus and they were baptized. It is the sign. And so that's why it's so important for Christians to understand the power of what baptism means. And so membership in the new covenant people of God is not by physical birth, but by spiritual birth. And we've been studying 1 Peter, and I'll remind you again of 1 Peter 1 verse 23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seeds, but of imperishable seeds through the living and enduring word of God. This happens by believing in Jesus. And therefore the church should be composed not of believers and their infants, but by believers. And the sign of membership in the new covenant people of God is not a sign for infants, but a sign for believers who believe by faith. And so we can see how the meaning of baptism is woven together with membership in the people of God. And here in our church, what we do is whenever someone has a child and they want to raise that child in a Christian home, we call them up and we dedicate that child 
and we pray for the child, and we pray for the parents, and we pray that the child one day would come to faith themselves. And at that point, they would choose to believe by faith and be baptized themselves through faith as a believer, that they might signify that they too are following Christ. Yes? And so that's what we believe the Bible teaches. And so in the New Testament, being a Christian, being baptized, belonging to God's new covenant people, and being a member of a local church are all linked together. And if you try to remove one of those things, if you are not a Christian or you're not baptized or you're not part of the new covenant people or a member of a local church, it makes no sense. You need all of those things working together. All of them work hand in hand, and they belong together, and that's why baptism is so important and vital. It's uncompromisingly commanded by the Lord Jesus. It was universally administered to Christians entering the early church. They repented, they believed in Jesus, and they were baptized in water to signify this new life that God had birthed on the inside of them. And it's uniquely connected to conversion as an expression of saving faith. And so there are the five things that we hold to in this church. One, baptism was ordained by Jesus. Two, baptism is an expression of union in the death and resurrection of Jesus for the believer. Thirdly, baptism happens by being totally immersed in water. Fourthly, we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and lastly, baptism is an expression of faith for the one who is being baptized. And they are saying in, to heaven and all of us here on earth that it's a picture, a dramatic expression of the old me dying and all that was sinful and hateful and unkind dies in the water as Jesus has forgiven me my sins. And I rise out of the new water, a new person. Being transformed, not perfect, but a heart that is open now. And being transformed by Jesus day by day, moment by moment, as I continue to put my trust in him. And that's why we say, Christians, walk by faith. That's what it means. It means to walk by what Jesus has said and to believe him for your life day by day, moment by moment, so we can see his kingdom come in our lives. Amen.